Well hello and wherever you are today the Lord be with you. I'm David Brook. I'm the hub leader in the Chapelfields Hub Parish of Church Wigan. It's Tuesday the 18th of August and today we continue our series of daily reflections for the summer period based on books, films, pictures, pieces of art, places, other things that inspire us. I've chosen a novel today which I'd very much been looking forward to reading and which I enjoyed every bit as much as I'd expected. To go with it, I've chosen a passage from Ecclesiasticus, chapter 6, verse 5 to verse 17. Pleasant speech multiplies friends, and a gracious tongue multiplies courtesies. Let those who are friendly with you be many, but let your advisers be one in a thousand. When you gain friends, gain them through testing, and do not trust them hastily. For there are friends who are such when it suits them, but they will not stand by you in time of trouble. And there are friends who change into enemies and tell of the quarrel to your disgrace. And there are friends who sit at your table, but they will not stand by you in time of trouble. When you are prosperous, they become your second self and lord it over your servants. But if you are brought low, they turn against you, and hide themselves from you. Keep away from your enemies, and be on guard with your friends. Faithful friends are a sturdy shelter. Whoever finds one has found a treasure. Faithful friends are beyond price. No amount can balance their worth. Faithful friends are life-saving medicine, and those who fear the Lord will find them. Those who fear the Lord direct their friendship aright, for as they are, so are their neighbours also. Well, I feel like a naughty schoolboy. What am I playing at? A reading from the Apocrypha? Well, yes, if you looked carefully, those verses are from the book of Ecclesiasticus, also known as Sirach, Ben Sirach, or the Wisdom of Sirach, not the book of Ecclesiastes. You'll find Ecclesiasticus in Catholic and Orthodox Bibles, but not in most Bibles in a Church of England church. Having said that, along with the other books of the Apocrypha, you'll find it tucked away in the back of a King James Bible and Article 6 of the famous 39 Articles of Religion describes these books as worth reading for example of life and instruction of manners, but yet doth it not apply them to establish any doctrine. So enjoy them, but don't take too much notice. Well, indeed, Ecclesiasticus is worth reading for example of life and instruction of manners, and from time to time for a good laugh. Here are a few examples. On the temptations of commerce, the writer cynically remarks, A merchant can hardly keep from wrongdoing, nor is a tradesman innocent of sin. Ecclesiasticus 26, 29. You must have known a few electricians and joiners that I've come across in my time. On the subject of trades and crafts, he also has wor harsh words for farmers. How can one become wise whose talk is about bullocks? That's chapter 38, verse 25. I won't tell you what he has to say about women. 
um, but he does have better things to say on the subject of wine. Wine is very life to human beings, if taken in moderation. What is life to one who is without wine? It's been created to make people happy. That's chapter 31, verse 27. And as you um, toss back that glass of Chardonnay on a sunny summer's evening, you probably uh, want to agree with the writer of Ecclesiasticus. Well, the most famous passage of all from this book is one that's frequently used at services called Commemoration of Founders and Benefactors, services that happen in schools, universities and cathedrals, among other places. I was going to say that it's a passage of purple prose, but it isn't because the whole book is poetry. But you know what I mean? Here are a few verses from chapter 44 and you may recognise at least the beginning. Let us now praise famous men and our fathers that begat us. The Lord hath wrought great, great glory by them through his great power from the beginning. There be of them that have left a name behind them, that their praises might be reported. And some there be which have no memorial, who are perished as though they had never been, and are become as though they had never been born and their children after them. But these were merciful men, whose righteousness hath not been forgotten. It's stirring stuff, and moving too, the thought that greatness and fame don't always go hand in hand. Greatness is often in the little things. Greatness can be in friendship. And that's how I've come to choose this passage from Ecclesiasticus a book that actually contains more material on human friendship, explicitly at least, than the whole of the rest of the Bible put together. It's because I want to commend to you a book that revolves around friendship, and also because, in a sense, the whole Bible is a book about friendship, the friendship of the Lord, a phrase that comes right out of Psalm 25:14, and that we'll return to at the very end of this reflection. The book I want to commend to you is called Miss Benson's Beetle. And now you must think I'm going completely mad. Miss Benson's Beetle landed on my Kindle on the 23rd of July, but I didn't get round to reading it till a week or so ago. I've been looking forward to it hugely because I've enjoyed everything that Rachel Joyce has ever written. Rachel, the sister of the actress Emily Joyce, is probably the only person since my mother who could have got me to listen to Woman's Hour, as she's written lots of dramas for that programme. But you might have heard of Rachel as the author of The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry and its wonderful companion, The Love Song of Miss Queenie Hennessy. No? No? If not, shame on you. I'm disappointed. Get yourself off to the bookshop and pick up Perfect and the music shop while you're there. The blurb for Miss Benson's Beetle, not the car, the insect, describes it as an uplifting and redemptive story of a glorious female friendship in all its frailties, contradictions and strengths. That's good as far as it goes, but it only goes so far. This isn't chiclet. It's also a story about loyalty, about courage, about childhood trauma, about ethical dilemmas, about overcoming setbacks about self-discovery, about hope, about disappointment, about adventure, about acceptance, 
about persistence, about risk, about rules, about survival, about searching and exploration, even about faith indirectly. But it comes back again and again to friendship, centred on two characters who couldn't be more unalike or seemingly incompatible. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but let me set the scene. Quiet, mousy, repressed Marjorie Benson is in a dead-end job as a domestic science teacher. Her wonderful early years as a child of the vicarage during the Great War are shattered by tragedy that she drives deep inside and represses. But at the age of 47, something triggers a desire to pursue a cherished hope that was planted in her by her father to travel to New Caledonia and discover a mythical golden beetle. Enid Pretty, on the other hand, is the write-off at the end of a disappointing list of possible companions for Marjorie's expedition. Enid is loud, semi-literate and brassy, and among her luggage is a surprisingly light red valise. She's not hunting for something, she's clearly running away from something. And we don't learn about that something for quite a while. The story of their friendship is both agonising and beautiful. And if you think I'm going to reveal any details of how it develops, you're going to be disappointed. Read it yourselves, you lazy so-and-sos. But it makes me think of that expression, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, I'm not so sure we always get to choose our friends either. Or at least Marjorie and Enid don't. Neither of them would have chosen the other, but each of them is a gift to the other. They would have missed out on the blessing, friendship and much more if they'd had a free choice. Enid doesn't exactly exemplify the phrase pleasant speech multiplies friends from the start of our passage. Instead she's coarse and the people who flock to her aren't friends, and deep down she knows it. I'm not going to say any more other than that if friendship is measured by Ecclesiasticus 6 verses 5 to 17, both Enid and Marjorie measure up well in the end. But where I want to direct you in the passage is really to the last verse that I included. Human friendship is a divine gift. But the greatest friendship of all is the friendship of the Lord. Those who fear the Lord direct their friendship aright, says the writer, for as they are, so are their neighbours also. Friendship, as Marjorie and Enid discover, is catching. And friendship with the Lord rubs off on our neighbours. So would you join me in praying as we finish? And together with disciples of Jesus across Wigan, across the Diocese of Liverpool and across the world, we pray in the words that Jesus taught us, using the version most comfortable and familiar to us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever 
and ever. Amen. May God bless you today and every day.